Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this series, we take a look at CES 2018, who we visited, and what we liked. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren. Welcome back to the Hardware Asylum 2018 CES coverage. Day one and day two are in the can. If you haven't listened to those, I urge you to go back to hardwareasylum.com and check those out. But we're going to get right into it. We have Thermaltake. Woohoo! Now, Thermaltake, another powerhouse vendor with a really large display. Lots to see here. Lots to see. And, uh, you know, for those that are familiar with CES in general and how it's divided up, this entire day we were in the Venetian, or basically the Sands Convention Hall. Woohoo! So we stayed in the same spot, so we should be able to get through these quickly. Um, <laughs> maybe not. So Thermaltake. I like Thermaltake stuff. Some people are a little, eh, you know, whatever. But uh, the highlight of their booth is really one that's going to kind of shut up the armchair, armchair what's, armchair water cooling zealots. <laughs> Backseat overclockers. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, they are offering copper radiators now. Woohoo! Now this is something that we've talked a lot about in earlier podcasts and also in reviews because this is something that they caught a lot of flack over in the past. Now Thermaltake makes some of the better, more maybe more affordable, depending on your point of view, mm-hmm. overclocking parts out there. So we've used a lot of them, and some of that sponsorship and some of that is choice because you can get like a lot of Thermaltake products uh, quite a bit for your money. Yeah, so to speak. With the water cooling gear, what we had originally was a kit, and they gave us uh, you know, one of their new aluminum radiators. We got their coolant, which is also important for the whole ecosystem to make sure it doesn't corrode, and then we got a water block, which in Darren's machine we replaced, and some fittings, and the fittings are also important because they have dun, dun, dun. new ones. Yes, they do, and they are better. Better. Although, you know, some people are probably going, oh my God, da, 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 you know, whatever. But the way these fittings work is they're very similar to the original Thermaltake fittings where we have three O-rings and then a collar that locks them in place. Well, they have uh, changed it, for the lack of another term, where we have the three O-rings that wrap around the PETG tube and a metal collar that holds in place. And that fits to the very end of the PG, PETG tubing so that it's basically flat oh my gosh that is absolutely a horrible description you need to check out the pictures for sure (laughs) yes basically you so what happens is basically the fitting is split into two so you have a base that attaches to your block or your video card or whatever it has an o-ring in it it has a special tool to lock it in place and then you have the collar and the collar attaches to the base and then locks into place so hopefully you're looking at the pictures now but the big advantages of this are so big i just want to get right to why this is important tell us why this is important you want me to tell you because you oh. seem to know all about this stuff all right i'm going to tell you because this is what gets me excited because you can actually figure out the length and the bend of your tubes right down to the actual size without having to guess how much of it is going to be lost in the fitting. Mm -hmm. So what this means is when you're building your hardline tubing, you can actually put it into the collar and measure it right to the end of the block without having to try to figure out how much of that is going inside the fitting, which means how much of it is getting inside those O-rings, which is so critical to prevent leaks to get a solid fit. But even more importantly, Dennis, as you know, for folks out there, that's right. You can get these little tiny 
pieces to fit because you're measuring the actual length of the tube. You can put them in there and then lock them down without having to try to do some weird yoga origami thing to try to get them in there, which is something that we've had to do, especially with our vertical video cards, Mm -hmm. our bins to go with that. And you don't have to basically saying you don't have to move the video card to get the tube in there. So you put less stress on the card, less stress on the system, more accurate cuts, Mm -hmm. better bins, I can't talk enough about this. It's so simple. We should have these in every build. And this is something we didn't see anyone else doing. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that's so brilliant and so simple. And they're not going to be crazy expensive because it's still a fitting. Well, fittings are expensive just in general. But. But. Finally, something that makes hardline simple so that you don't have to go back to the fish tank tubing. And you pair that with a kit like we just talked about for the Ice Bears or Thermal Take's own kit. And you're going to be able to put this together, saving so much time, not having to waste tube on bad cuts, and not doing my least favorite thing about hardline tubing, trying to shave little bits and pieces off until you get things the right length. Yes, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't like doing that at all. Uh, see, some of the other items they had on display was a new set of ring fans with some digital controls, which is awesome. They have a little device that will allow you to sync your ring fan RGB with anything else, including external controllers, motherboards, video cards, sound cards. Up to eight, which is nice. So they've expanded the size of those controllers as well. Mm -hmm. They have a new case that was actually in a lot of other vendor booths. Uh, It's kind of an evolution of the P90, which might be called the P90. I forget the number. It's in, instead of flat, it's in a triangle. Yes. Now this was really cool because it was designed to be a wall mount, but could also be set up flat. In fact, a couple of the different pinners talked about how this kind of reminded them of an engine block because you'd lay it flat and the PC would sit upward on it. I liked this because I think this trend of having open display PCs really supports our vision of the PC as a prestige build because you've got those items out there. You've got them on display very little between you and all of that hard work you did with that hardline tubing or your custom build or even your crazy RGB setup. Exactly. The problem is it's big, but you know, it, that's the small price to pay. And the case, I see a lot of modding potential in the case. Um, tempered glass side panels. It's awesome. Oh, and Darren is pointing to this picture. So I will pull them up right quick. Absolutely, because I don't think that's the only thing that I wanted to talk about here for cases. Now, Thermaltake has kind of gotten a reputation for having a wild variety of cases out there. But they did show off one particular case that I think I want to get excited about. Now, you may remember that a while back we did some build work with the Level 10. The Level 10? Well, it was the Level 10 GT. I couldn't afford an actual Level 10. (laughs) The Level 10 and the Level 10 GT is maybe one of the craziest builds out there. Now, Thermaltake has a couple of different cases out there. Now, we've seen their wide-open design uh, that's being popular used there. What is that thing called that looks like it opens like a book? Oh, I I can't remember. But they were showing this last year, too. Mm -hmm. This isn't a new case. It's just... Newly mm-hmm. reinvented. So we'll get the picture out there, and, and forgive me, Thermal Take, because this thing's just out of my price range. But they have now a new version of the Level 10 called, appropriately, the Level 20. And you know why it says 20? Why does it say 20? 20-year 20 uh, year annual anniversary, mm-hmm. yes. Now, the reason I want to point out this particular case is because 
it does a lot of things that the level 10 GT did in the level 10, only I think so much better. Yeah. So the case itself is decided, not decided, it's divided into three compartments, very similar to the level 10 GT and the level 10. We have the front panel, which could be one of two things. One, a whole shit ton of hard drives. Yes. Like a lot, like the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like you could put, I don't know, 10 in there easy and still have room for some good cooling. Yeah, or you could be like the, a regular enthusiast and put some water cooling gear in there, and it has pass-through connectors to go into the upper chamber, which could be more cooling, another system, power supply, whatever, and then a lower system, which is the standard case that you would normally have where it has the full-size motherboard, video card with a vertical GPU mount. And all of this stuff is interconnected via um, pass-through tubes. Lots of pass-through tubes, lots of room for these components to breathe separately. I, you know, what really attracted me to it was the design of the components in the separate compartments because they used an all-aluminum case that makes this look like three separate pieces that are just kind of stacked together. Yeah, and that was the main design. If you look on the back side, though, it's all one piece. Mm -hmm. Each of these components has a nice hinged tempered glass window to it and a kind of a unique hinge system that opens up so that you uh, you only have, it looks like the connector is only on the one side, which is kind of clean too. Yes. But the curvature and the color of this makes me feel like this is something that Thermaltake could leverage in some simpler, more affordable cases. And I'm kind of thinking that this may be the future of their unique in-house design. Well, time will tell. Uh, if we see a level 20 GT, we'll, we'll know that it went down market. Exactly, because I could easily see the main component of this being spun off into a smaller mini ITX case, for example. And this is kind of their Halo product, but it wasn't the only Halo product. They had so many unique builds in their system, probably more than any other manufacturer. Yeah, they had a a view, I think it was the X71 or a View 71, which was the new version, uh, new larger version of like the the core V51 Mm -hmm. that we did a mod in. Yeah, that's the View 71 TG. Yeah, and this one, uh, tempered glass, they have a white and a, well, the new one's the white that are titanium, right? Mm -hmm. And then the old version was black. I really like this case because it's full tempered glass on the top, the front, and both sides. And they give you adequate space behind it because it's spaced away a good inch. So there's no argument saying, hey, this this case does not cool because it has tempered glass on the front. That's not the case. Yeah, plenty of room to breathe. Also, that allowed them to break up the lines a little bit so it wasn't just a straight, smooth surface. You had cutouts and some accents to this thing. And the way that they attached the glass had been improved too. So the, the screws that open it were much easier to use, had a better offset, and it looked like less chance of breakage. And that's pretty important, especially for those YouTube channels that want to <laughs> troll for hits and say, oh my God, I broke my glass. Yeah. And I didn't just drop it on the ground. So all in all, I think Thermal Take stepping up with some really cool designs on day three. So where do we go next? HyperX, man. Ooh, yeah. HyperX. Believe it or not, HyperX makes more than just memory and SSDs. HyperX had a couple of kind of unique things to display, but they also were branching out this year. Well, they were expanding on the previous branch. Mm. Let's be clear, because last year they had a keyboard and mouse that they were showing off. Oh, that's true. But uh, 
they've enhanced it. Now it has full RGB. They have a mouse that is full RGB. It has a little halo thing that goes all the way around the outside of it. It's pretty smooth. It's not adjustable or anything like that, but it does have a high quality laser in it. They're using Cherry switches, I believe. I think so. Cherry MX, that's for sure. In fact, the, the system that we looked at had blues, but I think they said that they would have browns and reds available, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. That's called the Alloy Elite. That's not even the most exciting thing, I thought. No, no. The the I got excited about this one. And it's pretty hard to get me excited about <laughs> hardware that's new or old new or whatever. But this was a HyperX SSD. Wait for it. Wait for it. With RGB LEDs. Woohoo! The first and only RGB SSD that we saw there from their Fury line. The Fury line, those are super fast SSDs. This drive basically has the same heavy metal shell like other HyperX drives. It has a standard SATA connection and then will take the RGB pin headers so that you can synchronize the lights on your drive with any other controller you're using in your system. Because you got to sync it. It's got to be synced. Now, if you're running, especially these newer cases with the three windows, where you have the options to mount your drive in the back, you finally have something sexy. Yeah, like, for instance, my uh, the next project build that we'll be doing for Hardware Asylum, hint, hint, is going to be a Fantex Evolve, which has two SSD mounts on the backside. So we got to get two of these things, at least. Got it. Got it. But, but very cool. And something I can't help but believe we're going to see everywhere. The HyperX Fury RGB. And even that may not be the coolest thing, believe it or not, that we saw in their HyperX booth. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to paint a picture here. So you have four sticks of uh, RGB LED-enabled RAM. You plug them into your system, and you notice that one stick of memory is out of sync. It's not actually working the way it's supposed to. So annoying, especially when you're trying to synchronize your whole system, which was the theme of so many vendors. Right. HyperX has a solution, and basically they are setting uh, slaves and masters, so to speak. Dun-dun-dun. It's basically the first stick of memory in the bank, bank one, basically, or bank two, or whichever one has the first one in it, becomes the master and says, hey, I know what the RGB lights are supposed to be doing. I'm going to send that via an IR connection to the stick that's next to it, and the stick that's next to it, and the stick that's next to it. So that way, all the sticks have perfect synchronization. They prove that by putting a card between the memory sticks to the point where the ones after the card stopped synchronizing. They pull the card out, and then all of a sudden, they instantly sync again. I don't know that people out there can truly believe how cool and how quick this was because the lighting looked fantastic, of course, no visible RGBs, mm-hmm. but the synchronization was quick and easy and i believe dennis that we have some video of this that we can share out at some point yes i am working on a ces sort of wrap-up video that has basically all the quick little videos i took during ces there's a demonstration of that in that video all right now i have to admit though that was not the last thing we saw there that maybe was the coolest thing and i can easily see hyperx memory showing up and everybody's custom builds next year just because that was so freaking cool. And again, the only one doing it. And when you're at CES, man, that is not very rare. Oh, now, come on. You're just getting super excited for this next item. Oh, you guys have been listening for a while. So it's no surprise that I love headphones and HyperX headphones 
are maybe the best bang for your buck out there. I've always loved the cloud headphones. Now, the cloud headphones have some of the most comfortable headphones out there for the money without sacrificing your sound quality. So HyperX is revising their Cloud Series headphones this year with a couple of new revisions. We looked at a couple of different headphones. Now, of course, they had the revolvers and the Cloud 2s that we have spent some time with, and you can check out those reviews, of course. In fact, the Cloud 2 is one of the daily drivers in my house that my family adores. A very close run for my Sennheisers, they would tell you. But... They just don't know. Yeah, well, you know, they are really good. And I can't even begin to tell you how clean the new version is. So we looked at the latest version of the cloud. And we also looked at a wireless version. Yeah, there was a Bluetooth one that had 30 hours of battery life. Mm-hmm. So we took some great pictures of these things. Dennis really liked the uh, the cloud. The flight was the wireless headset. Great battery life. These had LED lighting effects like the HyperXs have had in the last generation. But they are turn off about. Now this thing's compatible with PC, PS4, etc. But it had that comfort that we really like. It's maybe the defining feature of the HyperX headphones is how comfortable they are with the memory foam and the design in general. And these had that before wireless removable mic. Now yeah. Dennis, I know you liked a different set though because you're not thinking that wireless is the solution that you were interested in. Well, no. I tried out the, the new clouds. Um, mm-hmm. it, Honestly, it's the the metal frame. I like the metal frame on those headphones. I mean, Darren keeps talking these headphones up, but they we have to admit that they stay within a price point. Yes, they do. Best I mean, bang for your buck, for sure. Yeah. So while they may not be a Sennheiser, they are very, very comfortable, and that's one of the key features that they have price control over. So that's why mm-hmm. we kept talking about the comfort, because they really are super comfortable. Well, and they have the larger drivers, so you're getting a pretty good spectrum of sound out of these, which is, I think, what's driving them to be that best bang for your buck headset out there. All right, next on the list, we... oh. All right, this, if we've been rambling before, this uh, warning, we might ramble again. But this is because this next vendor, oh, my God, Creative Labs. Oh, wow. You know, I have always been a proponent of Creative Labs because they are the innovator, the driver, maybe the original. I think they are the original. So let's get some of the boring stuff out of the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so they have uh, a new audio interface. They showed a previous version last CES. They have a new one out. This is designed for podcasters, streamers. allows you to control two XLR microphones. It has mm-hmm. dual headphone outs. It has a built-in EQ. Built-in soundboard. Now this is the Soundblaster K3. Portability, the primary driver for this thing. And it really was designed, I think, for entry-level podcasters that don't want to go out and buy these crazy expensive amp DACs or mixing boards. Yeah, kind of like us. <laughs> um, the next item, oh, the AE5 won two, two CES awards mm-hmm. back-to-back. And that is, uh, there's a bit of irony there in the picture, so you can check that out on the website. And some of you may know that this has become the primary driver in my system, so I don't really remember what the onboard sound is like. And I find this frequently more convenient than my external amp decks, including some fairly high-end stuff and a Sound Blaster X7. Yeah. How did you get the X7? What's up with that? Oh, my gosh. Check out my review. It's amazing. Anyhow, the next item, the Sound Blaster X H8W. Yes. It's a next-generation headphone from Creative, and the W means wireless. 
7.1 surround sound, wireless, improved battery life, improved sound quality, improved comfort level. Comes with two different ear pads so that you can have the leatherette and the foam for uh-huh. in, well, supposedly the leather attaches to your head better, but uh, I'm assuming that they don't have hair or something. Well, you know, and some folks uh, find it uncomfortable or hot, so you can get also the soft pads as well, which give you less isolation, but more breathability. Yeah. Well, they were showing off the Katana, which is another product mm-hmm. we reviewed. Amazing soundbar. Works both in the theater and in the PC space. Fantastic. Loved it. And they teased a revision that's coming with some added functionalities. So yeah. something to look forward to. I don't know how much we can say about that. But if there are features that you've been missing on the Katana, I think they've pretty much covered those bases for Gen 2 coming soon. As we were walking around the booth, uh, our representative comes over and says, Hey, would you like a demo? And I'm like, what kind of demo? Oh, it's a sound demo. Who doesn't like a demo? I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do a demo. So then one of the audio engineers comes in and says, hey, you got to hold still. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he takes a picture of my ear. And I'm like, okay, weird. And the representative was explaining, oh, well, we're taking a picture of your ear to get your hearing profile. I'm like, okay. I, I know that the shape of your face and how you move your ears, and like if you open your mouth a certain way, it will actually block your ear canal. Well, they took a picture of your face too. Yeah, they took a picture of my right ear, my left ear, and my face, and then gave me a sound profile number. Dun-dun-dun. Which I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> not. And they did that for Darren as well. Yes, very cool. And <laughs> unique, I might add. So yeah. some crazy voodoo happening there. Yeah, and then they, they walked us across the hall into a special sound room that they had set up for 7.1... Atmos surround sound. On headphones. Well, and in the room. They had them in the room. You look up, you saw the speakers in the ceiling. Mm -hmm. You saw that. So a very impressive setup. I I have to admit, uh, it reminded me a bit of mine at home, some premium quality stuff from Clips and uh, I think ELAC was the system, Denon receiver, some high-end stuff. Yep. And basically what we were doing, we were sitting in the center of the room in the sweet spot. And for us three, because we were in the middle of everybody, we had to put uh, microphones in our ears while they calibrated the room, basically calibrating the amp to make sure that the surround speakers were in the right position and with the right volume. And then the demo was over headphones. So we were watching movie clips with the full 7.1 Atmos surround sound, and then we put on a pair of headphones, and it sounded exactly the same. Same imaging, same positioning, same sound stage. I'm like, wow, there's some audio trickery going on here. That's for sure. And then at another point later, we were listening to just regular stereo music. And with the audio processor, we were able to turn it on and off. And if it, with it off, it sounded like a regular set of headphones with speakers right by your ears. That's what it sounded like. You turn the audio processing on, all of a sudden the room got huge. And it sounded like you were in a concert hall or you were playing music on 7.1 surround sound and you were sitting, you know, 12 feet away on your couch. It had that sort of aural, aural, what else? Aural, I think is how you pronounce that. That's the word. But, and I want to step back a little bit because the hardware that we're wearing is the higher end stuff that Creative owns, the EMU headsets. So they're, they're a premium set of headsets. So at this point, I really felt like they were going to pitch us on a new headset app deck combination because it seemed like that was where they were headed. Yeah. But that wasn't where they were headed, was no, it? That was not where they were headed. They 
basically we were pitching us a sound processing dongle <laughs> that attached to your mobile device and through a mobile app would configure that device to change the audio quality to give you that surround that sound stage that we were hearing through these high-end headphones on any headphone that you happen to be wearing and i want to repeat that because this is so amazing it would use usb so you could attach it to your laptop your phone your pc if you really wanted to to get that profile on any headphone set not just the emus not a creative product this was designed to improve the sound add that dolty atmos processing to anything and the anticipated price point of course not fixed in stone but they were talking less than 150 bucks yeah that was crazy and this is a, a dongle i mean the devices that we had in front of us that we could click on and off you know they were programmable for the different ear profiles that they were already giving us it was pretty big and then they showed us the dongle They said, yeah this is what we're going to be building and it's going to have all of that technology crammed into this this instead of having a hardware processing, it was software processing. So it's going to use some cycles on your mobile device because this is designed for mobile. So on your phone or tablet that you have to be listening to, and it's going to go through the, the sound processor and enhance your audio soundstage, which then sparked questions like, well, what's audio? What's your song supposed to sound like? What's your movie supposed to sound like? At that point, it's like, well, how do you know what it's supposed to sound like? Mm-hmm. Do you want it to sound like you're actually playing on stage with, a certain guitarist or do you want to sound like you're 7.1 sitting on your couch who knows and that's where this sound processor will give you that sort of control and ability there weren't a lot of things that i saw at ces that were take my money moments and i have some pretty good headsets and i have a lot of headsets as a lot of our regular listeners use and i couldn't help but think man i got to test this on my sennheisers i got to test this on my bayer dynamics i got to test this on every headset that i have and see how it sounds and fine-tune that for my bone structure, for my ears, expand that soundstage and see you know, how much of this is audio trickery and how much of this is bringing out the true potential of your headphones. Yeah. I can't wait for these to hit the market. The application is going to be free, so you can go out and check that out, see what kind of audio profile you have. It may be available by the time that you hear this. Mm. But we're looking at these being out this year. Uh, I can't wait to see what the hardcore audio folks with the oscilloscopes find when they put these under the mark. Yeah. I know there must be some audio trickery, some voodoo there, like so many of these sound processing systems, but it sounded so amazing. The amazing part, going back to that, was you know during the demo, they had us listen over the headphones and then take the headphones off. And while the headphones were on, they were killing the audio in the room. And then you take, you know, when you're going switching back and forth, it was seamless. You had the same volume on the headphones as you had in the room and it sounded exactly the same, same soundstage, everything was crazy. But you had mentioned a take my money moment. Yes. And there's one last thing at creative that they were showing us. Oh my gosh. And I hesitate to talk about this because this was truly the supercar moment of audio at the, at the system. And we saw some amazing stuff and we'll talk a little bit more about some of that in a minute. Maybe you should like read the, the little quote out of the book. I don't, I don't know if it does it justice. So we want to talk about a product. This is the X-Fi Sonic Carrier from Creative. Now this is, I want to say, their flagship product. And oh, it's a hand-built flagship product. So it's, it's hard to describe this in audio without the pictures in front of you, but I'm going to do my best. So what we're talking about here is a sound bar and a subwoofer. 
And and it does 15.2 super wide Dolby Atmos certified 3D sound from yeah. the soundbar. Yeah. So uh, if anyone knows anything about soundbar, basically you have speakers positioned in certain areas. And what happens is based off of the position and how that speaker is angled and how the soundbar is tuned, you can reflect sound off of walls and get fake surround sound basically by phasing the timing of the speaker and the position it's going and the size of the room, everything. So we got a chance to demo this also in a similar room. They took us into a room that was completely enclosed, not even really sound deadened, which was the interesting thing about it. So we're not talking about a sound tight room. We're talking about a standard room that would maybe have similar acoustics to something that you would have in your home. And they played this system we saw a lot of different demos using the super wide XFi technology and this sound bar created full surround sound. It converts sound to 7.1 and then reconverts it using the super XFi technology to 15.2. And the system comes with a subwoofer with dual 10 inches. Mm-hmm. But if you're really crazy, it will control up to four subwoofers so that you can have them centrally placed around the room in the four corners, for example. Yeah, so here is, here's some basic specs, right? We have 2,000 watts of peak power output, 1,000 RMS, and a lot of that is through the subwoofer. It yeah. Like 600 watts of the subwoofer. Sound bar in a sound bar. And the subwoofer itself was 60 pounds. We have dual drivers, and basically weight is what you need with a, a subwoofer enclosure so that mm-hmm. it doesn't rattle and it sounds good. There's eight independent audio processors, 17 acoustic drivers, uh, you know, and here's like some fluff, like 30 years experience in digital audio technology. Sounds like a resume. Uh, <laughs> four wireless systems. That's for the subwoofers because they don't connect via cable. It's all wireless. Totally. Uh, let's see. 1.52 meters in length. Oh, and here's like some more uh, our resume fluff. 60 engineers dedicated to immersive R&D. Basically, that's all of creative's processing, <laughs> right? And then 400-plus screws to hold this thing together. So this thing is dead sexy, all aluminum, hand-built. They went through, I think they said 300 iterations just to get the tweeters right alone. So I want to talk a little bit more about this because I think the concept here is very similar to a lot of different things. We compare frequently enthusiast hardware to the car market, for example. And this is a great opportunity because this is really a Halo product. And we talk about Halo cars. And a great example is maybe the Lexus LF400, for example, which every time they sold that car, they lost money. And it was a Halo product. F1 Systems Ferrari are a great example. These are cars that are not making money for the manufacturer, but they are the pinnacle the pinnacle of design, the pinnacle of technology, the cutting edge right now, the best that money can buy. And in a soundbar, the X5 Sonic Carrier is a Halo product. It is the pinnacle. And I'm not kidding when I tell you it was difficult to pin down a sweet spot because you could move around in the room and it sounded amazing nearly everywhere. It filled the room like you were surrounded by speakers. Well, it, we showed up late for the demo. We had uh-huh. to sit in the corner. It still was bouncing It sounded off the wall. phenomenal. And it works in open-end systems and closed-end systems because it does that self tuning system it really bounces off the walls of the ceiling in an effort to fill the area and their goal was to provide the best possible sound in the entire room so there wasn't a sweet spot so i'm sure there's a lot of audio trickery involved in the x5 there's a lot of involved in the design 
But, oh my gosh, I walked out of there going, I got to have this thing. I really do. I can't justify it. I got to have it. But somewhere out there is somebody just like me that's going to bring this puppy home and it's going to replace their entire system. And people are just not going to believe it's a sound bar. So if you get the opportunity to listen to one of these things or if you have the means, I highly recommend you check it out because there's honestly nothing else like it. So our next meeting that we had was with MSI. They were also in a Venetian ballroom, actually right around the corner from Creative. Woohoo! Now we like MSI. In fact, I run uh, MSI motherboards right now in my two primary PCs. I'm a big fan of their gaming product, but that wasn't the most impressive thing in their booth. But they did have a lot to show. Like a lot of the major vendors, they had a lot of really cool custom builds that were done by some of their partners out there. Yeah, Digital Storm had one, and we also had iBuyPower. I think CyberPower PC had a machine. The iBuyPower one actually had a one of those uh, monitor displays on the glass. I like those. We still have to try to do one of those, although I'm a little nervous about tearing apart a monitor. Something to put in a future build, perhaps. Yes, definitely. But I know you saw some stuff there because MSI won quite a few awards for some of our favorite products. Yes. We first uh, on the list, we have the Z370 Godlike Gaming. I like the Godlike. <laughs> I actually got one of the original boards for review. And the Godlike was what brought RGB LEDs to the masses. I mean, that is the board that started it all. Yeah, all the ground effects and the programmability of that. And you have to admit... Godlike kind of tells you that it needs to have all the bells and whistles to back it up. Yes. Now, the Z370 is an 1150X processor, so it's not the X299 or anything like that. But it does support four-way SLI, I believe. It's got four spots for video cards there. Full gamut of memory and some really big heat sinks around the VRMs. Absolutely. Now... Whether or not this becomes the board to beat remains to be seen because these are just getting in the hands of overclockers now. Yeah. Coffee Lake. It's the way to go. Uh, the next one, we have the lightning cart. I thought the lightnings were all gone, but we have a 1080 Thai lightning. Always an amazing card. Now, these are competitors to some of our favorite cards, like the Kingpin Edition. And we always try to get these in the lab because they perform like hand-picked cards almost every time. Now, these are the pinnacle, of course, of the MSI product. Yep. Premium cooling, and they look fantastic. Yeah, backplates, triple fan cooler, just like on some of the other Lightning cards that came out. Triple slot, so you're going to need a lot of room in your mother in your case on your motherboard amazing card i really like it next item oh this okay the monitor monitor samsung curved panel with led lights that are controllable by the msi game center i never thought i'd see a podcast or even a series of podcasts in the case of the ces where we get excited about more than one monitor because there's just so little innovation in the monitor space and now we've talked about a couple of different monitors, but this one here had some fun bells and whistles that we hadn't seen before and useful bells and whistles. Yeah, like they had had uh, LED lights on the front and the back. On the front, there was five bars, light bars at the bottom that were controllable within a game. So you could be playing uh, Counter-Strike and it would count down how many bullets you had in your gun. And it would also flash if you got a headshot. And it was kind of amazing how you can have that sort of reactivity within the game on your monitors to give you kind of a visual. And those mimicked 
behind the monitor so that people who were watching behind you could see those lights change. Now, they had a really interesting background pattern that reminded me sort of of a cyber kind of circuitry design. And it was reactive, too, and programmable. And unlike uh, what you're probably picturing where you've got like some background light effects around the rim or or maybe just a couple of strikes. Yeah, this is a lights. this is a full pattern with backlighting that was completely programmable and could also, like Dennis said, be designed to mimic the in-game effects. Now we saw an actual demo of this using Counter Strike, where they had these effects going, and it was immediate and very visible. And like the uh, the fanatic keyboards that we talked about, this is something where you could be filming pro gamers or professionals or even you know in a LAN party setting. And see these lights reacting to what's going on in the game, which is just going to give you the full immersion and get you more involved in what's going on. And it looked great. It yeah. really did. Yeah. And there was also a, a, an, a crosshair. You could hit a button and it would put a crosshair on the screen for you. I thought that was pretty darn cool. Yeah. And I have to admit, I hadn't seen this before. And I, I you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because it's sort of like a cheat mode in some of these games where you can get this overlaid crosshair. But we've seen variations of this before. I've even seen gas pros with you know, putting tape, tape on, on yeah. their screen with a crosshair on it to help them with their aiming. Yeah. But this was something that you could toggle on and off through the software or through a button on the monitor. And I can easily see this catching on in a gaming monitor motif. In fact, I had to say I'm a little bit jealous and wondered if I could get the MSI control center to put that on one of my ultra wides because uh, it seemed like it'd be fun to play with. Especially in games that don't allow a crosshair. So uh, they also had several gaming laptops one of them even had mechanical keys which mechanical i mechanical rgb keys and they were comfy they were they typed really well i looked at a couple of the other motherboards here they had um actually we got to hold a an x299 gaming which is one that i reviewed and also a threadripper board i never got a threadripper chip <laughs> i'm you know i'm really sad to say i saw the sockets i saw how to install the processor but i didn't realize how industrial the socket looked. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, huge, really. Yeah, it's got a lot of metal around it. It's crazy. Well, and the reality is, is that we've talked a lot about Threadripper as sort of the tip of the iceberg for these scalable architectures, if you will, with the multi-cores. And I think we're going to see a lot more variations on that in the future. Now, Threadripper, is it the future? Well, that kind of remains to see seen in the enthusiast environment if this is a one-trick pony more of a server-oriented architecture, or if it's going to give us long-term performance gains for overclocking and gaming. Well, that concludes our CES coverage 2018, Day 3. I urge you to check out Day 1 and Day 2 if you haven't already, and tune in again for our next episode. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.